2023 was a great year. We had over 80 episodes on the show, and this episode is really a distillation of the top 10 that I thought were really noteworthy. If you're new to the show, you haven't seen all of them, or just want to hear my thoughts on the top ones that really stood out to me, then uh, keep watching. Coming in at number 10 is Nick Hutchison. He was the seven-figure marketing book type person. He had his own book that came out. We talked about it. We've had a number of authors on the show as well. The interesting thing about his episode that I took away from was the fact that he talked about this concept of the third door. He got like Grant Cardone, all these really big name people on his show. And it was really interesting to learn about other techniques to get a hold of people. So when I first started the show, and this is kind of a fun aside, I guess, but when I first started the show, I would just like message the PR department or whatever, like their you know official contact and say, hey, uh, you know, you want to be on my show? You'll be really cool. And they would ask so many questions and, and it's just superfluous stuff. The underlying tone was they always wanted to say no. And most of the time they did say no. They would need to do the slow no that people do or all that other bullshit. And so I started just messaging people directly and saying, hey, here's the reason why you're on the show. X, Y, and Z. You want to come on? And they would come on. And uh, in many cases, the PR department, the marketing department, whoever that you know normally gets to hold that, that stuff would always say no to me or would say no to me. But then I'd contact the person directly and they'd say, yes, come on the show. We'd have the recording. And then those people who said no to me would like fluff it and seem like, oh yeah, was, you know, this is so great. We're, you know, so, so great, glad we got to help you put this on. It's like, you didn't do anything. You stood in the way. And so getting past gatekeepers and people who just want to put their thumb on the scale and feel like they contributed is really interesting. So he talks about the this concept of the third door. So I had Grant on for a virtual interview. And I think here's where the real third door happens. I have Grant on for a virtual interview. He didn't end up actually selling anything, which was nice. I thought he would just hammer my audience with some type of upsell or something. And at the end of 30 minutes, I was still recording and he's starting to pack up. And I said, hey, Grant, I'm going to be down in Miami, which is where he's located. I said, I'm going to be down in Miami for a couple of months. Do you want to do another in-person show? Because we had such a great time. And he's like, yeah, sure, man, that sounds great. So I clipped that and I sent it to his team. Now, secret, I wasn't going to be in Miami at all, but I wanted to go hang out with him. So I sent it to his team and I said, pick any time in the next three months and I'll be there. And so his team picked the time. I was like, wow, they're actually saying yes to this. Then I booked my tickets and I went to Miami. And so I fly to Miami and I spend like a, a half a day filming content with Grant and his wife and a bunch of other people. And it was such a beautiful experience. And just having those pictures, it helps me bypass that due diligence process with so many other people. Because trust is transitive. If you trust Grant, which millions of people do, and Grant trusts me because we're hanging out together, then you'll trust me as well. Peter Nugan at The Vis, his episode, we talked about a lot of the cutting edge stuff when it comes to climate change. And in particular, something that was really interesting to me, and as much as we made a joke about it at the time, but we could use this technology to basically, you know, grab a sample of the air and tell all the species in a different air and specific area and you can do the same thing with water and all these different things to tell you know roughly you know what are the species in there um i don't think you can do density but that might be something to explore but like in terms of like the population sizes but we made a you know a really fun joke and aside about like hey maybe we can hunt bigfoot with this and uh you know anything that helps find these you know rare species i don't know if bigfoot exists or not you know put in the comments whether or not you believe it exists Bigfoot is, you know, we, we laugh at Bigfoot or anything, but I, I'm a very open-minded person. You know, cryptozoology is, is to me, yeah, sure. If there's, then I might believe it, right? Uh, we just need to find the data for it. And so eDNA is a fantastic way for you to to look for something without actually having to go out there and, uh, you know, locking, 
locking eyes with with a, a yeti or something like that right uh, yeah i mean it's it's uh it's something we'll we'll start on kickstarter and, and see see how it goes right and coming to number eight, we got Richard Flange. Uh, we talked about the Apple Car rumors, early days of Elon Musk, how Elon Musk even sent back the check to Richard because he was complaining about, hey, where's my car? We also talked about these giant trains that would be piped everywhere. They would be full of batteries so you could see it like being filled up with uh, solar down in Arizona or something and then training that to Chicago uh, for them to like pull from it. Really interesting concepts. I don't know if we'll ever do them or not, but it's always fun to explore these different and interesting things a magazine editor and pushing people's buttons so we started making fodder out of the fact that tesla had our five thousand dollar check we didn't know what was going on we were uh hooting on elon and asking questions and we we made this this big sort of spectacle out of we didn't know what happened to the five thousand dollar check well we finished the show and posted it on youtube and I'm telling you what, I showed up and it wasn't a day later and that check showed up in Federal Express and Elon sent the check back to us and canceled his deposit. So uh, after that, we knew Elon was, was listening. Coming at number seven, coming at number seven is a man that we called the alternative Mormon uh, because he didn't want to go by name. You know, in the Mormon community, you, uh, you speak out against the church and people generally aren't very happy with you. But it was a great opportunity to see on the inside what the what Mormons think about Mormons and other Christians and all these different things. And I learned a lot from that episode, in particular how you know one of the big things that uh, from alternative Mormons' perspective was that really like pushed the Mormons to go to Utah was every every time they would go to a different town, they had such a large number of people, so they would come in and they completely destabilize the political structure. Which you know anytime. If anyone watched Game of Thrones, you start like taking people's power and they start getting pissed with that. And so they burn down the houses and kick them out. I'm sure there's other things as well, but I think that's a really interesting concept when it comes to history. Massacres, there's, you can even Wikipedia, there's something called the Utah, or not Utah, the Mormon-Missouri War. So there was a little war, but it's more of a couple skirmishes of, of things. That eventually led uh, short term to them moving to Illinois, where eventually Joseph Smith was shot and killed. Coming at number six is Aubrey Gray. Uh, he's you know the longevity guy. He's one of the top people in the field. It was really great to sit down with him. Talked about so many different things, uh, including his mice studies, just the early stages of all the stuff that he's working on. He started Sens, and then Sens gone on to Lev to continue his work to promote and really start a war on aging. Very fascinating episode. If you don't know anything about aging or longevity, that's the one I would recommend you go with. Coming at number five is Bob Walters, who is a corrections officer at the largest prison in the U.S., that was really interesting to see, like, the insides of what a prison is like, you know, from a guy who actually works it. You know, how dangerous is it? What does he have to do to stay on top of the people around him? The lack of security. I mean, it's a very dangerous job. But one thing in particular that I thought was really interesting and noteworthy was that, you know, the COVID relief checks went to the prisoners as well, the people in jail. And it really messed up the economies in jail. You know, like, usually people make like a dollar uh, an hour or something like that doing like these silly jobs or what have you. And now that $1,400. People would play poker or whatever, and they lose it. And so then the people who, you know, aggregate that type of stuff start to get even more powerful, which is kind of interesting. But coming to number four is Jim Cottrell, also a repeat person on the show. We talked about his new book that really gives you the inside look at the space industry. Uh, it's a fantastic book. It's one of the first people that sent me an advanced reader copy of their books this year. Really fascinating. Like, highly recommended. To this, to this day, it's like my top five books of the year. And, uh, I mean, some of the stuff from the books was that he was, like, basically kidnapped 
and held hostage by the Russians when he was going over there, you know, trying to build stuff. But just a fantastic episode, and I definitely recommend it to anyone who wants to learn more about like the Elon Musk, uh, SpaceX, Blue Origin type rivalries, where the space age, the new space age, is really came from, and where is it coming from, and where it's likely to go. It's a really great episode for you. And those were the early parts of SpaceX, and that came from this early trend, uh, this uh, planetary society efforts to essentially do citizen-based space because the Planetary Society came out of frustration of NASA in the 70s not doing anything. You know, once the shuttle got funded, that's all they got funded in NASA. They they shrank away from things. It was it was described once as the the Portuguese who who explored the world and then shrank away from it. And and uh you know in in that respect the Planetary Society was there to try and put pressure on NASA as a public advocacy group to get them to do things. And what they found out, and this was, you know, what was formed by Carl Sagan and, and Lou Friedman and uh, Bruce Murray was that, that NASA still resisted them, even though they'd go and apply political pressure to them and make them look like asses. Cover number three is Leo Vanstone. And, you know, similar to Jim Cantrell, this is very military, very science applications and defense and stuff like that. We talked about China's hypersonic missile, you know, could they take down an air, aircraft carrier or the U.S. do about it? One thing that's really interesting is, and I'll play the clip in a second, is this idea that the military had, you know, maybe it's been watching Gears of War. I did once have a, a retired, there was a retired U.S. general when he was pitching. It's a completely civilian application. His idea was to have giant one-ton satellites in space that were enormous solar arrays, and then they would collect solar energy and then beam it down via a microwave frequency um no gamma it was some ridiculously high energy and like some really high intensity microwave emitter basically and beam it down to a collection station on earth and i'm like you do realize you, you're advocating for a giant array of death rays right like if you turn if this misses and hits the children's hospital that's it right yeah, it's the end of, end of this thing. He's like, no, no, it'll be fine. I'm like, we, we're tied for first place for two, second and first place are to give me ties for first place because I really couldn't pick which one I liked more and you'll hear why. Before that, let's get some honor, an honorable mention is George Church. George Church is a huge Colossus person in the science space. He's an innovator, human genome project, CRISPR. I mean, he has a, such a long sheet of accomplishments. But the biggest thing about him that I, I've always appreciated is he's going to keep working and pushing the envelope forward to help people until his dying day. Like, that's such a huge thing when you, you, know, you finally make that accomplishment where you can do what you want to do, and he keeps doing the thing that he really wants to do, which makes the world better. And we talked about a lot in that episode. And, uh, you know, pr primarily, uh, one big thing was, you know, resurrecting mammoths. You know, are, how close are we? Can we do it? And it seems like, in essence, we can. I think there's probably like a philosophical thing, like, are we re resurrecting ma mammoths? Are we just bringing back the genetic profile? and features of mammoths and putting it into another elephant. I don't know if that would count as bringing back mammoths, but, you know, maybe someone out there would uh, counteract that. But first and second place, or tied for first place, is Michael Levin. He's bioelectricity, uh, regeneration, really on the forefront of cutting edge. If you like George Church or Arbiter Gray, or these people just work on these far-out things, bioelectricity is such an interesting concept. Uh, cell intelligence. He, he's working on stuff that just, it, it feels like what science fiction is really meant to be, like re the regeneration of limbs, how you do this, you know, do you clone it in a vet? Do you, like he's working on stuff where you put like this prosthetic type thing uh, over a, a hand that's been, been lost and it'll slowly encourage 
the hand to regrow itself, your body to regrow itself, which is really interesting to me. You know, that there's like an internal schematic that we all work from. I really recommend checking out his episode. It, ever since his episode, I've had like this strong urge to like work with him and a bunch of other people to make Michael J. Fox type foundation, you know, Lev sends nonprofits to like help accelerate regeneration. Because I think there's really not that many nonprofits that are building out the IP to really accelerate it in the way that it probably needs to be done. I even asked Michael in the interview and it, there's really not a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of people working. There's scientists, there's there's VCs, you know, funding startups and stuff like that. When you look at Sense, you look at Lev, you look at Michael J. Fox, you look at New Harvest, for instance, another one I really enjoy. You know, transparent nonprofits that can really accelerate, you know, give grants and all these different things. It's, it's really a useful thing. The other tie for first place is Lisa Lisa Kaiser of Sense. Lisa taught me so much in her episode in our conversation Sense about how to look at nonprofits. Like looking at their taxes, all these different things. I've been doing that ever since. Every nonprofit I spent on the show, I've looked at their taxes, their tax filings and stuff like that. In fact, there's been a couple nonprofits that were new. It was like 2023 was the first year. And I was like, hey, can I get an advanced copy of this? I'm sure you have something in the works. It's not a big deal. And they they went from like, oh, wow, we're so excited to have, you know, come on. And then to, we don't want to come on the show. And apparently they wanted to like hide their taxes as much as possible. And it seems like maybe they don't understand that they're going to publicly, you know, release these things anyway. Lisa was, is a really a fierce, innovating leader. Even in how they talk about IP with their partnerships, it's very fascinating to me. If you want to talk, if you want to listen to an episode that focuses on negotiation in high stakes, you know, building out the IP that's really going to have improved people's quality and quantity of life, like this is a great episode for you. Yeah, Lisa and Michael are definitely tied for number one. Let me know what your favorite episode was. What did you want to see that we didn't cover? What what topics do you want to hear? What book authors do you want to have you see on the show and that type of thing? Uh, let me know in the comments. I'm very excited for 2024 and what we're going to learn together. Everyone who's commented, subscribed, it's meant a lot to me because, you know, if I just do something and there's like a vacuum, I'll enjoy it. I'm kind of a, a silly person in that way. But to see that there's other people that are being inspired to do things from it, to volunteer, to hire people, to apply for jobs, to uh, join clinical trials. Like there's been a lot of benefit that's come out of people who've been on the show. People even listened to the show. And that means a lot to me because I measure a lot of the show's success based on not just like having great conversations, but what those great conversations do for people. So if, if you ever got anything from the show or it, it encouraged you to find something you're passionate about or anything like that, please leave in the comments. It'll mean a lot to me. For everyone who's new, thanks for listening. And I hope you have a, a happy new year.